We'll start off with just a welcome. Or again, I see a bunch of new faces. This is that time of year where we have a lot of people going in, you know, a lot of people coming into the community of Manhattan. We really get excited about this time of year. To our guests, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. Uh, we're going to jump into this sermon here. It's a new sermon series. You picked a good day to start. Uh, these outline is right here on the back of this, and these notes will be up overhead so you can see those. But like, like Devin said, man, we would love this card. If you're visiting with us looking for a church home, this is, we call it paper gold. If you just like fill it out and put an email address, drop it in a box or go to our welcome center where we can love on you. But we just, we would love to connect with you and help you find uh, exactly that church home that you're looking for and be part of that process with you. Uh, there is one announcement on the back that I think is kind of important, this database and membership review. You all got this email a couple weeks ago. It was also in the newsletter, I think. Uh, but this is just a way of affirming we need every one of you to respond every single person here that got this to respond and we want to know it just asks you a simple question you respond it's about membership it's are you with us are you uh, in a highly transient community it's important that we get our database and keep it kind of in tune so please go out and do that every one of you please go out and do that we appreciate it for those who are online with us we know there's still a heavy presence of people online we're glad you're with us today and we're just hope you feel one with us as we go through this online there's uh, there's also the things I talked about here are connected there on a Facebook Live and on our website. You can see all this information right there. Thanks for joining us this morning. I know we just got done with prayer, but do you mind if I pray just one more time? We're going into a new series, and uh, I think Jesus never spoke much about what we wanted to hear. He always spoke about what we need to hear, and I think today starts a series of not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear, and it's good. But let's bow our heads and just clear our minds of everything else to get started. Heavenly Father, we are going to go deep into your word. And we're going to bring it up to 2,000 years later, thousands of years later, and we're going to make it, we're going to see how it talks to our hearts today, for your word is truth. And Father, we're going to tackle things that some of us may really be wrestling with today, and that's okay, because we all want to change. We all want to grow. We all want to be free. And so Father, let your word work in our hearts. Let our hearts be moldable right now. Father, guide me as you have all week and all the hours we've spent preparing this that we're true to the word and we can express it the best way we can. Holy Spirit, guide us all as we go through these next few minutes together. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. So last week we finished a series on Ten Commandments. We got a lot of feedback from all of you, a lot of feedback from all of you about how we enjoyed knowing it's not about don'ts, it's about do, but it's about our relationship with God and others and what happens when we don't follow Ten Commandments, how we really end up in prison, a prison of sin and struggle versus the freedom that God gave us and designed that. If you, just so you're aware, um, we got so much feedback on this, I encourage you to share it. Uh, how do you share it? You go out to our YouTube channel. There's Westview Community Church. There's every sermon for like the last five years is there. And so you can share that whole series out or you can go back if you missed any of the Ten Commandments and you can watch any of those. But there's one question we did not answer as we went through the whole Ten Commandments until today we're gonna start to answer this. But there's one question we didn't tackle in all those weeks and that is how do I stop breaking these commandments? How do I stop breaking? I mean, that's the one thing is I can listen, I can understand, I see him from a different perspective now looking at God's word, but here's the issue is for the most of us, we probably struggle with one or two and it's hard because we know what it does with our relationship with God and with others. 
So how do I stop? How do I stop breaking these commandments? How do I keep, it's this repetitive sin issue. How do I, how do I stop the anger that's still in my heart? We talked about that as murder in the description. How do I quit worshiping my job and my kids and, and whatever it is? How do, I, how do I go home today and actually rest on Sabbath, not go home and break it again? How do I stop this cycle? How do I stop this cycle? And what happens is what, when we, we know when we do this, we ask forgiveness, and we know we get that forgiveness, but then we go, and what? Britney Spears, right? Oops, I did it again. And we just, over and over and over. So let's look at our first sermon note together here on the back. Are you tired of this sin-confess cycle? One word, repent. Repent. And nobody said amen. <laughs> Maybe online they said, I know you all online were saying amen. The sin confess cycle. Sin confess, sin confess. I know what it does with my relationship with God and others, so I just rely on grace and I go right back to breaking it again. We just sang, I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. But God gave us a way to break the cycle. The word repent. Now, I, you know, I think the, the reason the room kind of went quiet because I think generally you don't see a lot of people preach on repentance, though it's critical. But when that word repent comes, most people have a negative connotation to it or a negative response to it. God intended repentance to be a gift and an opportunity to receive his grace. But we tend at times, or many people tend at times to take that word repent, we turn it into a sign that looks like this. Turn to Jesus or burn in hell. The other option of the one I had is it said, repent of your sins. God hates you when you're that way. And I think a lot of times we think of repent, we see what commonly is on placards and we think this is what repent means. And what I want to tell you is when we think of repent this way, this is the bad news. And that's not what repent is about. Unfortunately, many people are still using these methods of shame and fear to try and create change. Let me tell you, shame and fear normally don't do that. So what we want to do is go in the next few weeks and talk about this issue of repent. We want to move away from the bad news, which has really an opposite result. It doesn't draw people to God through Christ. It tends to drive them away. And how do we come after repent the way the Bible speaks about repent? So let's look at our second sermon note together. Repenting is about the good news, not the bad. Repenting is about the good news not the bad. You know, the very first word in the gospel, we have four gospels. Gospel means good news. The New Testament starts off talking about the life of Jesus and it calls it good news. Even, we even label the books good news. And the very first word in the gospel, the good news is this word, repent. The very first words of Jesus in his public ministry are about good news and repent. The very first words of John the Baptist who paves the way for Jesus to come into the world is good news and repent. They're together. Let me show you here in Mark chapter one, the gospel of Mark, the good news from Mark chapter one. It says later on, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. 
This is what Jesus said. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. What is the good news? Jesus is the good news. What is the good news? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is near. So near, it's here now. But yet it's not fully here. Jesus represents that kingdom of God. The good news is that we don't have that kingdom of God because of our sin. The good news is Jesus says, I've come to take care of that problem. Jesus says, repent of your sins. How? By believing the good news. Some of you might be familiar with Dallas Willard. He's a Christian philosopher, writer, educator. He wrote the story, I know I'm going a few years back. He grew up in rural, deep rural Missouri. And he says, I remember that the only electricity we had at our farmhouse was when there was lightning. He said, when I was a senior in high school, the rural electric cooperative came by and put all these poles outside our house with power lines. But we had to tap into it. We had to choose. He said it was pretty exciting when all of a sudden you look out outside your farmhouse and these poles go by with power. And electrical power became available to households and farms. And he writes this, he says, when those lines came by our farm, a very different way of living presented itself. Our relationships to fundamental aspects of life, like daylight and dark and clean and dirty and work and leisure, preparing food and preserving it, could then be vastly changed for the better. But we still had to believe in electricity and its arrangements. We had to understand them and we had to take practical steps involved in relying on the electricity. And Dallas says this comparison is kind of crude, but it's the same thing as the basic message Jesus gives us about the kingdom of heaven. He says if we pause for a moment to reflect on those farmers who in effect heard this message, repent for electricity is at hand. It's coming right by your house, it's so near. Repent or turn from your kerosene lamps and lanterns, your ice boxes and cellars, your scrub boards and rug beaters, your woman-powered sewing machines and your radios with dry cell batteries. Repent for electricity is at hand. The power that can make their lives far better was right near them. And by making a, a few relatively simple arrangements, they could utilize it. But strangely, a few did not accept it. They did not enter the kingdom of electricity. Some just didn't want to change. Some thought they couldn't afford it, or at least believed that they couldn't afford it. This power, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is right here with us today. By accepting it, by changing our minds about relying on it, our lives will be much better and different. And by getting our minds on this new power, issues like that sin-confess cycle can be changed.
If you turn with me to Luke, the gospel Luke, the good news according to Luke, chapter 13. It's our key scripture today. Jesus shares, the very words of Jesus, he's sharing a parable, a story about repentance. It starts off a little weird, or at least it seems. So we're in Luke 13, starting in verse one. We'll have it up here overhead. So about this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate, the Roman governor, had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices in the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again, again, unless you repent, you will perish too. So when we start off here in Luke, Jesus starts with two current events. These are things that just happened recently. First, I don't know why, these people from Galilee, which is kind of a province to the north where Jesus is from, come down to the temple to sacrifice worship, and for some reason, Pilate, the Roman governor, entered into the temple and murdered them. It says their blood mixed with the blood of their sacrifice. We don't know why. That's not important. Jesus says, because in Jerusalem, they tend to look down on Galileans. So there's a little bit of a righteous behavior here. He says, do you think this happened to them because of their sin? We do that a little bit today too, don't we? When, when somebody you really know from church or all of a sudden goes through something, we might wonder, I wonder what they did wrong. I wonder if God's getting them back. I wonder if this is just the fruit of how they live. Sometimes that's our first reaction. So Jesus says it has nothing to do. What happened in the temple has nothing to do with their sin. He says, let me give you a more current event. Let's go right down here in Jerusalem where the west wall meets the south. Pool of Siloam, tower. 18 people. This tower just collapsed, killed them. Recent event. Jesus said, do you think that was because of their sin? He said, absolutely not. What Jesus is teaching us here as we start this story is he's teaching us the universality of sin. We all sin. But the issue in this story is that everybody's short-sighted. They're worrying about death now. They're worried about the here and now. Their mind is not on eternity. Jesus said, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 we all de deserve death and separation from God because of our bad choices. But he says, get your mind off dying in the here and now. He says, we'll perish forever if we don't repent. So it's interesting here. It just looks like Jesus is telling a lot of bad news. Hey, here's two really bad stories. And you think it's because of their sin? He says, well, then let me whammy you with this. Well, we're all going, you're all going to perish if you don't repent. And what Jesus is saying here is really the good news. He's saying because all of us have sinned and fall short, 
He said, it doesn't matter what you do. We're all dead because of sin. Get this out of your mind that, hey, if I just do better, do better, do better, I'm going to be okay. No, because of sin, we're all dead. We're all going to perish unless we turn. And turn to what? Jesus' whole mission. I have come to take care of that sin that separated us from God. I am going to pay a price on a cross. He says, all you have to do now is turn towards me and you'll have forever. He's telling them the good news. The good news. So let's go back to the story. Let's pick up in verse six. So then Jesus tells them a story. Let me solidify this, Jesus says with a parable. It says, then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there's any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been one single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. And the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. And if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. So Jesus tells a story. At first glance, again, it looks like bad news, but it's not. In this story, the owner of the orchard is God, who rightly expects the trees he created to bear fruit. That's what they were designed to do. The caretaker, the gardener, is Jesus. When there's been years and years of no fruit, and the owner's ready to cut it down, the gardener comes in and says, give me a shot. Give me a chance. Don't be legalistic, not just a year. <laughs> give me time. Give me time to give it living water. Give me time to grow it. Give me time to fertilize it. Give me time to change. Be patient. Grace and mercy. The fig tree, it's you and me. The compassionate gardener intercedes for more time to fertilize a fruitless tree and the gracious Lord of the vineyard responds in patience. Ladies and gentlemen, this is good news. But there's also a lesson in this that borrowed time is not permanent. No repentance, no turning to God will bear no fruit. We have to turn. God's patience has a limit. God in his mercy through Christ grants us another day, another hour, another breath and Jesus stands right at the door of every man's heart and mind knocking to gain entrance and calling us to turn, repent to what is good. So fellow fig trees, are we bearing fruit? We won't bear fruit if we've never turned to God. We've never made that decision to be a follower of Christ and repent and turn. 
will never bear fruit. And for those of us who have turned, we'll struggle with fruit if we can't break this cycle of sin. So let's get into this third sermon note. So what, let's, that's, we're kind of giving you an overview of what repentance is today. So repentance is, uh, here in our third sermon note, is the changing of one's mind. So the Greek word is metanoia, and it literally means that, to change one's mind. But remember, throughout Scripture, mind and heart are kind of interchangeable. So add that one in there. Write it in right next to your note. To repent is to change my heart and mind about something. There's two things that we're changing our mind about when we repent. The first thing we're changing our mind about is about sin. That I hate it because of what it does to my relationship to God and others. The second decision that I'm changing my mind about is loving Jesus. Because when I love the world, I'm going to hate Jesus. But when I learn to hate what the world does, my relationship with God and with others in turn I'm going to find how to love Jesus who loved me first to repent is to change our mind hate sin and believe the good news the kingdom of God is here and that is how I can obey his commandments now which help me stay free This word, though, is just a center. To me, changing one's mind is just a fulcrum. It's just the hinge of the whole situation with repentance. It's so much bigger than that. So many people think repentance, I think that's why it's got a negative view. So many people think repentance is feeling bad about what I did. It's part of it. But there's so much more to what repentance is. That's why we're going to spend four weeks on this. So I'm trying to sit here and say, well, how do I share in a hot summer what repentance all is? So we can get our arms around, what does it take to really look at repentance? And right in the midst of summer, of course, I think of the summer blockbuster movie that came out in 1989. There's a little clip I want to show you that has all the elements of repentance in it. It's from the movie... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now you're thinking, man, this is 1989. Brian, can you give us one thing? You talked about Dallas Willard back before electricity. You're talking about, let me tell you, the fifth movie of Indiana Jones is coming out next summer. So as you aren't with me, you'll be there next summer. <laughs> Watch this clip. All the elements of repentance are in it. Don't move. It's ours, Indy. Yours and mine. Elsa, don't cross the seal. The night warned us not to take the grail from here. Junior, give me your other hand. I can't hold on. I can get it. I can almost 
beat your dad. Indiana. Indiana. gold cup is a holy grail and the holy grail by legend and it is legend only is the cup that Jesus used in the last supper so Indiana Jones archaeologists they found the holy grail they, they, it has the gift of eternal life it's a legend don't go look for it eternal life doesn't come from a cup but you can see as, there, they, as they lose control it goes down there you see Indiana going for everything he's been his whole life's been about he's going for this cup shiny cup and he falls at the risk of his life. His dad grabs him. And his dad has a hold of one hand. He's still trying with the other hand to get the Holy Grail. He's still trying to get the cup. His dad tells him, let it go. It's not worth your life. And then a moment, Indy turns to his dad, grabs on with both hands. He saves him. The biblical concept of repentance is the same thing. When we choose sin and pursuing shiny cups in our lives and leave behind God's relationship and our relationship with others, we pursue these things, we're breaking commandments left and right, we're just doing our thing. We're going after something that's gonna take our very eternal life. God reaches down with a hand through Christ and grabs us. That is grace. And when Indy turns, when we turn to our Father and quit chasing that shiny cup, that's a part of repentance. That's the turn. When we grab on with both hands, you know, as Christians, we like to do this. I want to hold on with God with one hand, but I want to get the shiny cup with another. But when I quit going after that shiny cup and I grab on with both hands, that's faith. And God through Christ yanks us out of that chasm and that is salvation. And all those are important to repentance. To grab the hand of grace, turn from chasing stupid stuff. Grab on with both hands in faith and be saved. So I kind of made this into a little bit of a list here's what repentance kind of involves and this is what we're going to go over the next three weeks it first starts with knowing and grieving that we're in a bad place it starts with knowing and grieving that that choosing this is not as good as this and really grieving that we're going to talk about that next week second thing is repentance involves reaching out that hand of grace that God has extended it's right there in front of us the kingdom of God is right here that hand is right here for any of us to grab onto and the third thing is when I grab onto that hand is to change my mind and my heart to hate sin and love Jesus and grab on with both hands don't try this staying in both worlds thing it does not work and the last part of repentance is daily, radically committing to live out God's commandments. So changed 
in repentance that repentance actually, ladies and gentlemen, it is not a one and done deal. Repentance actually is a lifestyle of every day. Repentance is so changed that I live this way every day and it takes a focus every day on the kingdom, not the world. We must stop seeing repentance as a burden. I have to, but instead realize it's an undeserved I get to. God's grace is an invite and a free gift I get to. Repentance is a gift. Fourth sermon note, just to kind of cap this a little bit. Repentance is for everyone and for every day. So the nice thing about talking about repentance is it includes everyone. Jesus said it's universal. We have all sinned and fall short. Every one of us in this room needs this. It's universal and it's every day. It's a lifestyle and it's critical. Let me tell you the importance why Jesus follows up a little bit with here's what happens if you choose not to. Without repentance, I will have no relationship with God through Jesus or in the power of the Holy Spirit. And without repentance, without turning to God, we do not have salvation. And we should worry about the end, the next hour, the next breath. That's the bad news. Let's get back on the good news. God made a way. The electrical poles are right outside our house. All we gotta do is tap in. I would kind of summarize, there's probably three groups of people in this room and online with us today. There's three groups of people in this room. There's those who have never repented for the first time. There's those who have never made the first decision to turn towards Jesus and start walking that way. And I imagine there's those in this room that have turned towards Jesus, commit our lives to him, but we're in this sin-confessed cycle that's just messing with our fruit and we're looking for a way that repentance is real and deep and it sits. And the third is those in the room who get it, who are on fire in a good way and for goodness sakes, I hope you're helping somebody else find the beauty of repentance and that your life is lived out changing others through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us are in one of those categories in this room today. So let's talk about the first category. It's your fifth sermon note. The first evidence of repentance is baptism. Repentance is the first step, like I said, of the good news, the gospel. Baptism is a symbol. It's a sign of repentance. Baptism is a sign when I go on the water that I am now officially turning in the water. I am going in the water and I'm leaving my old self behind. The dirt, the garbage, the sin, the damage, I'm leaving it in the water. And when I rise up new, I'm rising up turned. A follower of Christ because I know he paid the price for everything I left in the water. That's the first thing we do. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Turn and symbolize it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is here. Power lines right outside. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. 
And people from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. What a day. Our repentance starts with believing and being baptized. It's the symbolism of that turning. It's so important. I don't care if you're seven years old or 70, if this is something you've never done. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit, work in your heart at that. If I've never followed the command to turn and symbolize my turning, I'm gonna let you wrestle, but we're here to help. On August 29th, we're gonna be in the park together, all one service together, and we have somewhere between six and eight people who are repenting the first time and are symbolically getting in the water to show, I'm turning to God, I'm tired, false our stuff. We'll quote from Luke, I believe, chapter 15. It says, the angels roar in heaven when one sinner repents. And we roar as a crowd, don't we? When we see baptisms here, we roar as a crowd because we know how big of a deal it is. If this is something that's on your heart and you're wrestling with it, we want to help with the wrestle. On the back of this card, there's a box that says, I'm interested in being baptized. It just means, please sit down with me and talk about it. And we'll walk through it biblically, truthfully. We'll let you wrestle and we'll help you wrestle. But if you don't have any more excuses, I think today's the day that we start thinking about this. There's a box right above it. I want to discover God through repentance. Maybe you're not to that point of baptism because you're still not sure about turning. We want to help you with that too. If you're tired of the pain, the life, the struggle, looking for hope, we're here. We've all been through it. And we would love to help you look at what true repentance is. And then we'll all celebrate when you're baptized. You can check those boxes. You can bring them up right after the service. We'll be here for you. You drop them off in the box. Just give us a way to connect to you. Let's go on to Acts chapter two. This is at Pentecost when the church is birthed. Peter gives this amazing sermon. Thousands repent that day and are baptized. He says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah, the Savior of our souls. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is so near that those who turn and repent and are baptized get that gift of God's presence in them. You don't have to wait till heaven for the kingdom is here now. Not fully here. One day when Jesus comes back, it will be. Peter also calls for the people to repent and he says you get this amazing gift and that spirit of God in us helps us every day develop this lifestyle of breaking the sin, confess cycle and living more and more like Jesus every day. It's beautiful. So all we've done today is really given you an overview of repent, repentance, what it means. We haven't really explained how do I repent in detail. So how do we repent? Here's the last sermon note. It's a teaser. When sin has us in flames, 
Stop, drop, and roll. I remember this as a kid. I remember in grade school, the fire department coming and teaching us when we catch on fire to stop, drop, and roll. Because obviously in western Nebraska, we caught on fire all the time. <laughs> stop, drop, and roll. It's, so I asked them first service, I asked kids, they still teach this today? They're like, yeah, they do. And I did, I saw on the internet, they still teach it today. Stop, drop, and roll. When you're in flames, stop. Lay down, roll around, extinguish the flames. Well, we're using this the same way. The next three weeks, we're going to talk about stop, drop, and roll. So we know what repentance is all about. It's all about this. Stop. How do I stop that sin-confess cycle? Stop. How do I stop a life that's never known Christ and turn towards him and start walking that way? How do I stop? Drop. How do I change my posture? How do I turn? How do I change my mind and heart? And how do I love the Holy Spirit take me over? It's a posture. And roll. How do we roll differently? That every day is a day of repentance. It's a lifestyle and focus on the good news, keeping our eyes on the kingdom of God, which is here. The power lines are here. We're tapped in and we're heading this way to eternity. With the God we love, the Savior who saved us, the Holy Spirit, and all of us forever the next week three weeks we will move from a life in flames to a life on fire in the Holy Spirit I want you to come on a journey with us that is a great time to go to offering so I'm going to put this call out on offering offering is a time where we go to prayer A couple of reminders, offering is also uh, when you leave today, um, the offering might be checking one of those boxes. You can drop in a card and come up and talk to us afterwards. Your offering might be, well, we'll get to that in a prayer. Financial gifts. This church is fueled by the mission. The mission is fueled around the world by how we give. Our time, our talents, our treasure. If you have a financial gift, give your best gift, but only give it joyfully. And never ask you to give it any other way. Give it because of how God's given to us. You can drop those in the boxes on the way out if it's a financial gift. But let's go to God in prayer together as one body and let's give him the best offering we got today. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we just took a scary word like repent and we connected it to what it needed to be connected to and that's the good news, not the bad the good news Father is that you stuck your hand down through Christ to save us but we have to choose to grab on Father for the person that needs to check that box to say I'd love to know more about baptism like it's got their heart wrapped up right now and it has for weeks or months or years would you encourage them your spirit to check that box so we can walk with them and talk about it part of the journey if there's somebody here Father that just repents they've never started I don't even know who Jesus really is I don't know God check that box we were all there at one time and we want to walk with you and show you the beauty of what God offers in his kingdom versus what this world offers 
Father, if that person sitting here has got it, they're surrendered, they're on fire, please pour into others who need to hear the message of repent. Father, let our offering today be the best it can be for you. But do not let somebody, Holy Spirit, do not let somebody walk out of here hiding behind whatever. Let's start today as a day of freedom. We pray all this in the mighty name of God, the saving name of Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we need you. You'll take us just as we are. And that's what we're going to sing next. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, during this time of worship,